0: 12.03 Saturday, a rainy Saturday inside by a phone. Give us a call. Pain management, you've got pain, you've got questions, you're just medical conditions uh, overall. Dr. Uh, Doctor Lou's here for the entire hour. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We always uh, look back at some things that have happened over the last week at the uh, the clinic or clinics. What's uh, What's going on,
1: pal? Not too much. Are you, John? Good, man. I'm all right. I'm Good. all right. Um, One case that I wanted to really highlight this week because it just uh, highlighted to me the importance of really trying to work with a good team of healthcare professionals versus trying to be your own uh, healthcare professional. I had a patient who came in to see me um, as a result of hearing me, hearing me here on the radio. Uh, low back complaint. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing Nothing really strange about a Mechanical low back pain was pretty simple when we went through it. I recommended a treatment plan for him uh, on what he could do to get this better. And when we were done, he was kind of in the mindset that he really wanted to get cupping done for whatever reason. Exactly. Uh, cupping is when they use like specific cups for fascial adhesions. Uh, but was was what was more important about this and something that often happens, and I guess I wanted to highlight today uh, to our listeners, was that this person had had a friend of his that had low back pain as well and had cupping done for it and responded really well to it. So therefore. And therefore that means that cupping should be good for all types of low back pain. Right. Um, and what I tried to say, si- I sat there with him and I tried to explain to him that when you're going in to see a healthcare professional, of course you should be an informed consumer. And so, if you want to say, "Hey, what about cupping?" But and I, I basically explained to him why, for his situation, cupping wouldn't necessarily be the mm-hmm. best thing, but versus the things that I was recommending, would probably be much better. Uh, he did not want to accept that. He he wanted to only do cupping, um, and and said, "No, nope, this is what my friend said worked for his back pain. I, I, I that's all I want." And I just had to politely tell him that. That's not really the way it works, right? Mm-hmm. We could do it, but I, you know, if you really want, I'll, I'll look at the the side effects of it and there'd be no big side effects to do cupping for him besides the fact that he's just not going to get better because his problem's not going to respond. And then he'll blame you. And then he'll blame me. And yeah. that's a bigger thing where, yeah. you know, sometimes, and I see a lot of clinics out there that will just have patients who come in, even if a, if a family doctor or a specialist has referred you to a clinic and said, uh, here you go, I want this patient to have, um, interferential current for example and ultrasound therapy right. it is still the job of the therapist everybody has their own liability and everybody's their own you professional bet. it's still their job to do a correct assessment and make sure that the modalities that have been recommended are actually the right things for the problem that the person has we shouldn't just be doing things because oh my friend's friend or my aunt or this person or that person pain the f- We've gone through this. Back pain could be a result of so many different no, things. no kidding. Um, and so to just treat it all with cupping would not do it justice. Had cupping been something that I thought would really benefit this person, I would recommend it. In fact, I recommend cupping for some people uh, depending on the type of pain that they're having. So I just thought it was an important case to highlight Um Just because, again, we should be informed consumers when we go see any healthcare professional, uh, but we should also listen to what the healthcare professional is saying in terms of the modality and the treatment recommendations, because that should be based on what the diagnosis is, what the problem at hand is, because not every modality is going to help every single problem, and so you have to kind of be able to match up what problem responds to what type of intervention, Uh, and that's the job of the... um, of the healthcare provider and the patient together. And it should be a dialogue, but not an absolute one way or another. And so I just thought it was interesting with this patient that uh, he was so set on no only cupping. And I basically recommended to him. I said, if you really want to have the cupping done, have someone here that can do it. I'm going to tell you right now that you're likely not going to get better. Uh, finally, as I kept talking and he started to understand where I was going with all this, it mm-hmm. took a little bit of education and sure enough, he followed the, the treatment plan recommendations that I had made. Uh, but, that's not the first time that I've experienced that type of uh, of case where where a patient you know it's it's not uncommon to have somebody come in and say oh yeah but my aunt's friend did this and this is what helped them and this is what I need and again your elbow pain your shoulder pain your low back pain your knee pain there's so many different causes from individual to individual that we can't just be saying that the, something that someone else did. Is going to help because the other thing is most people don't know what the actual problem of the low back pain is. You can have mechanical low back pain, but for one person, it may be more a joint issue. Another person, it may be more of a muscle issue. Another person may be more fascial. So we have to, again, work as a team with uh, both the healthcare professionals and uh, the patient, have a dialogue, uh, listen to the recommendations. And then, of course, informed consent is important from every patient. We need to go through with every patient what our plan and management is, what we're recommending, give them the risks and benefits mm-hmm. so that they can make an informed decision and consent to that treatment. So that's also another very important You must spend part. so
0: much time doing that. People say, uh, yeah. I know best. I know what I need.
1: Yeah. People All always right. say, I know best. I know best. But uh, it, listen, it's not as common as thankfully it's not as common as 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 you know you may think uh but it's but every once in a while i do get these types of patients and the people that i've working with me get these types of patients that are just no this is what i heard i read on google that this is the best thing for that uh or someone told me and it's just like you need to get out of that mind frame and listen to what someone's recommending
0: so will you i mean will you eventually treat them and just say look i'm recommending it's it's not for you and I, i
1: i don't want to do the treatment because it's not going to help you you're wasting your time and or money if at any point i feel that whatever the if they're if they're really hard set on something for example this patient doing cupping would have had no uh negative effect to his already existing problem uh however it wouldn't have really helped uh, and so that was my bigger would have been a zero-sum game right that, yeah that and that's I just want people because the worst thing you can do as a healthcare professional is do something that a patient wants if they don't get better they blame you it's it's funny because patients will come in they'll do treatment for you know weeks with you uh, and then for whatever reason they'll' you know, do something on the side and they'll say, you know what, Fixed my low back pain. After all that treatment, I finally did this thing and it helped. They don't realize it's a cumulative effect. Right. Uh, So they like to take responsibility for when they get better. But when they don't get better, it's it's your your responsibility. For sure. 416-870-6400,
0: star 640 on cell open lines. We have them for you. have questions for Dr. Lou, pain concerns. Bring them on here to one o'clock. Ready to uh, take your calls here. Dr. Pain Show, talk radio, AM 640. It is twelve thirteen on a rainy Saturday at 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Your pain concerns, your health concerns, bring them on. Manny, good afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Good, Manny. What's up with you?
2: Uh, not too bad. Uh, I got flat feet, and uh, I have lower uh, back problems. Mm-hmm. Never really got it looked into, and i uh, just wondering what's the best thing I can do. Like, would orthotics help or massages?
1: Uh, put, so, back- so how old are you, Manny? I'm uh, 34. 34. And has the back back pain been going on for a long time or it's relatively new?
2: On and off. Yeah, you could say on and off. Not to, yeah, it's for a long
1: time you can say that. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah, there's no doubt that flat feet uh could contribute. Obviously, when your feet are flat, uh your feet are meant to have a natural arch in them to help absorb shock throughout the body. Um, yeah. and as you lose that arch, there's a little bit more strain put through all the joints. Having said that, it doesn't mean that everybody that has flat feet will develop low back pain. In fact, a lot of people that have flat feet never develop any. Type of pain syndrome. So you can't say for sure that it's related to the flat feet, but I also can't say for sure that it's not related to it. Uh, And then again, in terms of the treatment recommendation, uh, let's say we did do something to determine, yeah, you know what, if we had a bit of an arch in your foot uh, that may help diminish your low back pain, then yeah, something like an orthotic might be a good idea. Or if we determine, no, it's not necessarily related to that, then yeah, maybe some type of a treatment like massage therapy or physio or chiro may be the other option, or the other option is maybe a little bit of everything. So um, obviously, it's really hard to say without uh, looking at you for sure and assessing it, uh, but definitely there can be a contributing factor of your low back pain related to your flat feet. What Do you stand a lot during the day? Do you walk? What's, what's kind of yeah, like...
2: I do a lot of heavy lifting
1: and stuff at work.
2: Okay. And, so, so, ball, and I'm in safety shoes.
1: Okay. Yeah. So that, so it may also be related to just the, the repetitive strain sprain of the type of lifting that you're doing, contributing to your low back pain. Uh, I've had plenty of patients with your um, similar type of history. And oftentimes I, I find that a multi- uh, disciplinary approach, which includes treatment, some type of an orthotic, et cetera, et cetera, helps. The one issue that I have with orthotics is you go to some clinics and all they want to do is straight into an orthotic uh, without doing any treatment. And, and I don't necessarily think that's always the best approach. Sometimes you have to induce an effect, the desired effect that you want, and then use that customized orthotic to help hold that effect. Uh, So it should be uh, timed right, you know, versus just there are a lot of places out there that you go to and it's the first thing they say is, yep, you need orthotics because it's a big moneymaker, right, for a clinic. So uh, I'd be hesitant of, and you see these places popping up everywhere. They're all over the place in malls. They're in strip malls Yeah, they're in strip malls. It's just a place, go get your shoe um, and an orthotic. All it really is, is there's no good clinical reasoning to doing that. It's just so that people can utilize their health benefits to... Get an orthotic and get a free shoe. Throw an shoe insert in your shoe and yeah. away you go. Yeah, and, and oftentimes the people don't even care about the the orthotic. They just want the shoe out of it. I'm not a big fan of these places. I think it's uh uh it's it's unfortunate for the paramedical services overall, uh, because it, it goes more towards uh just providing a service to, you know, eliminate people's benefits versus benefits are there so that when you need them, they can take care of you. You shouldn't necessarily be of the mindset that I have to use up all my benefits by the end of the year. No, they're there so that you use them when you need them. As long as you're not abusing it, you're not doing fraudulent things. And the one thing that's important in a lot of these places is some places are doing fraudulent things. And as a, as a consumer. You're part of that if something happens, right? If you're aware, you're you're also part of the fraudulent activity. Mm-hmm. But, anyways, that's a whole different discussion. Um,
2: One other thing, yeah, yeah. I, I have it more on my left side.
1: Okay, kind of- more. Uh, what's that? The low back pain is more on your left side. Yeah, yeah. On
2: the left, right yeah. side is it's in the kind of in the hip area and the lower bum.
1: And the lower bum. Yeah, so for sure. It might be related to the feet. You might have a little bit of a shorter leg on one side. Uh, It could be related to the way, again, you're twisting more often. There's so many things that could be contributing to this. As a general answer uh, to your first question, which was, could the flat feet be contributing to it? Yes, possibly. We'd have to take a look at it for sure. I actually practice my main Clinic where I do the assessments is at Highway 27 and Humber College Boulevard, and I see that you're calling from Rexdale, so we're not far from you. So, um you know that that might be an option for you, Manny.
2: Yeah, I'll, can I get your information after we go off the air, please?
1: For sure. Yeah, yep. for sure. I'll give you the number right now. As a matter
0: of fact, one eight five five eight one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U. There, there you are. Stumbled <laughs> through it once. Or info at Pain Care Canada. Uh, dot com. Yeah. I mean, now we, you know, we, he does heavy lifting. We know he wears work boots. Yeah. I mean, it could be a lot of things. Yeah. There's right?
1: so many things that could be contributing to this type of pain syndrome. Uh, it's a good, good on his part to think, could it be mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a good thing to start considering what could it be. Uh, but again, this is the type of patient that if you went into certain clinics, uh, around the GTA, boom, you're going to get an orthotic just because of the very fact that they they'll eat. just give it to you right there. Yeah. Well, it's funny. There's some places that no matter what the recommendation for everything is an orthotic. And again, we do orthotics at the clinic. I'm not saying that we don't mm-hmm. do them. I'm not saying that I don't, uh, dispense and prescribe them. I am just simply saying there should be a good clinical indication in order to do so. Uh, and that's more important. And it's unfortunate that, uh, there's so many places out there just making, uh, a business out of it just to, to get a free so They're just
0: kind of like painting over the rust before they do the body work, right, right? They yeah. just slap it on you yeah. and go. Yeah. For sure. we'll, take a, we'll take a quick one. 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on sale. You want uh, some questions answered, you in pain, stuff like that, give us a call. Dr. Pain Show right here till 1 o'clock this afternoon. Talk radio, AM 640. 1222, open phone lines. 416 870 star 640 on sale. Call us now. You got pain, concerns, you got uh, discomfort, something you're wondering, haven't got a... Uh, Proper diagnosis, maybe get the ball rolling here this afternoon on the show. Concussions are huge. Hear about them all the time, not only in sports, but just in general, right? In general, yeah, for
1: sure. Concussions are, and we've had a couple of shows just sort of dedicated fully Mm -hmm. uh, to concussions, but we've seen, for whatever reason, I'm not really sure, but in the last few weeks, uh, an increase in the number of concussion patients that uh, are coming to the clinics. Um, Oftentimes they are uh, young males in sports, seems to be the more common uh, type of presentation, uh, but definitely something to take a look at. I'm I a big uh, proponent for proper concussion screening, proper return to play guidelines, uh, and these things shouldn't be rushed. Because I mean, um, out it's of a all, brain injury. Yeah, it's a brain it injury, and yeah. and you know the thing about neurological tissue that's different from say like your skin when you're when you have a scab, it heals right. Our, mm-hmm. Those cells are very good at uh, replenishing and and repairing. Versus brain tissue isn't like that. That's why things like uh, Paralyzed, uh, You know, if you become paralyzed, it doesn't heal because nerve tissue doesn't do a good job of regenerating. And in some areas, hmm. it doesn't regenerate at all. Um, but definitely when you, um, and you know, a lot of people don't realize uh, when they develop concussion symptoms, because there's so many different types of concussion symptoms. Such as? um such as, well, obviously, headaches yep. are, are a big one. Uh, sensitivity to light, to noises, uh, you know, neurological types of symptoms in the extremities like shooting pains, numbness, tingling, uh, anything. Re- you can even develop things like nausea uh, and vomiting. Again, because it's affecting your brain, your brain controls your whole body. Uh, so, realistically, any type of symptom could be related to uh, concussion symptoms. And it's very important that. You know the right type of treatment is done in order to get these people back. One of the issues with uh, concussion is that the when we look at the vestibular system, uh, the vestibular system is basically the system that um, tells our mind where our body is in real time. So it's, gy-
0: it's our gyroscope, right? Exactly. It's our balance, right?
1: And it's made up of a few different things. It's it's c- obviously contributed by the eyes, the ears, and the neck, yeah. head position, um, and and a few other things. Oftentimes, what I see is done wrong is a lot of people will just treat one of the three versus treating all three at the same time. And so, a lot of the patients that we've had come in um, with concussion type symptoms have already had a lot of treatment for, say, things like their neck and their headaches. They're they're treating that part because that part is easy to touch, right? Like sure. you can reach your neck. It's hard to touch the inner ear canal and the vestibular system related to eye movements. Uh, but there are different techniques that can you can use in order to affect those systems. And again, I don't think affecting only one system is the answer. Um, but anyone that has con- a concussion and comes through us, we're doing a full protocol where we're trying to analyze all three of the things that could be contributing and, and then trying to treat all three things uh, to get the people or the person better from those symptoms and you know, again, and return to play is very important because you don't want to send somebody back um, uh, too soon because then the, the risk of of occurring reoccurring right? is really uh-huh. high. Uh, the other problem is when you're dealing, especially with elite athletes, they don't want to be off of their I sport. Know. Right? Like it's very hard to tell people who are elite athletes you got to take time off. It's one of the hardest things that we have a challenge. Uh, within the sports medicine type world uh, is trying to work with patients and tell them that rest is an important part of their treatment plan. Uh, And so, you know, you have to find ways around it where you kind of make it active rest, right? So they may be able to participate in practices as long as there's no head trauma being involved, uh, specifically when we're talking about concussion. But it's definitely... um, a thing that you got to work with, with the patients, uh, to make them understand that rest is a component of, of that head trauma for sure. 416-870-6400,
0: star 640 on sale. You want to call in how simple in your clinic, how simple is some of the simplest things you've seen done that would cause a concussion? I mean, you don't, you don't have to drive your car into a wall and bounce your head off, no. a, you know, your dashboard. You've probably seen simpler yeah, it's, things. It's right?
1: silly things. I've seen it even with, uh, people kind of like bending down to pick something up and then they smash their head on, wow. on the edge of a table type of thing. Right. Uh, again, concussion is is just when we've basically defined what's coop counter which is essentially the brain moves within the skull and hits the sides of the skull, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that causes some type of bruising, swelling, et cetera, et cetera, in the area. So- really anything could set it off sometimes it's not related to sports see the thing is in sports we expect it so as soon as somebody gets hit in sports and they develop these types of symptoms they they automatically will call it almost themselves a concussion right. the harder part is when it's in day-to-day life and things like that like oh you know i i was picking something up and i banged my head and then i've developed headaches uh, a few days later and you tell them they have a concussion they're like well i can't have I don't a play football yeah i don't play football and <laughs> right. it's like no it's not just a concussion term this is a term used for when there's some type of trauma that's induced your brain through some type of an impact. Uh, And you don't necessarily even have to hit your head, maybe just the jarring effect, a little fender bender, common in car accidents, work accidents, uh, slip and falls, day-to-day stuff. It it is something that is... um, I think more prevalent than we're willing to accept. The the bigger thing, too, uh, what I'm a big proponent of is baseline testing for people getting into sports. And what I mean by that is if you have a child right now who you want to get involved in hockey Mm -hmm. or whatever, or they tend to be getting a little more competitive, you can get baseline testing done on their neurological level right now. So where are they? Because a lot of the times the thing that's hardest to struggle with is... Once they have, quote unquote, a concussion symptom, uh, we don't know where they were before. What was normal. Yeah, exactly. We need to define normal for somebody in order to know what are we getting them back to. Uh, And so a lot of teams are now starting to implement this baseline testing where at least you have some type of reference for uh, this person's normal. And that way, if something happens, you can look at, okay, how much have they deviated from normal? right? Like, is this a really, really bad concussion or is it not too bad? How close can you get them back to normal? So those are things again, that we offer at the clinic baseline testing. We, we also have a corporate and sports outreach program where we work with different businesses and sports teams, um, with these types of things. If anyone listening is interested, you can obviously call us and we can set these things up, uh, to, to kind of, again, baseline testing for, um, young people getting involved in a lot of different sports, really, really important from a diagnostic standpoint.
0: How young will you go?
1: Um, I guess it depends at what level they're at and how much uh, trauma, but I mean, that's not to say that a kid who's learning how to skate can't fall and bang his head, right? So, so, I mean- you know, three or four is probably pretty young, but maybe six, seven years old is not a bad idea once it starts becoming a little more intense.
0: Got time for your phone calls. Uh, some time to dial in. 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on cell. Reminder free consultations. You go see Dr. Lou. info at paincarecanada.com for email, and uh, we'll get to lots more of the Dr. Pain Show talk radio, AM 640. It is 1243. Dr. Pain Show, by the way, free consultations. That uh, makes it worth it right there to drop by the clinic. one doctor Lou. D R L O U. And is that 356? I'm not going to get the number out because it's too confusing. Dr. Lou is simple. It's on your keypad. That and info at paincarecanada.com. Always a, a topic of conversation on this show. A good one, too. And you might want to chime in with your phone call on this is uh, you know migraines, headaches, period. Big. Huge. Some people, like uh, myself, start developing them later in life. Never had headaches until about a year ago. Yep. Now they sure. crop up. Yep. I'm um, happy about
1: it. Well, there's lots that can be done. Uh, the, again, the first thing that I always say is you need to figure out exactly what the diagnosis mm-hmm. is because not every headache um, is due to the same thing. When we look at headaches, we essentially, especially a new headache, we're looking at um, essentially, is this pathological? Is it something potentially uh, very dangerous or right. is this something more benign, which which again, those are the things we'll deal with more when you look at things like migraines, tension headaches, uh, cluster headaches. Um, and those things now fall into a different category. One of the biggest things, one of the biggest comments I have for people is creating a headache di- diary, right. where you're actually looking at everything around the headaches. What did you eat that day? What was the weather like? Sleep, sleep pattern. You you name it, you write it down. Uh, and what happens is a lot of times headaches are just the result of a triggering factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the key becomes, how do you identify what those triggering factors are? For example, you've heard people say, yeah, if I eat chocolate, I get my red wine or Or red wine tannins. Those tend to be very much easier things to identify because you may not necessarily be having chocolate all the time or multiple times, uh, during the week, but definitely well, or yeah. Uh, but you know, it does become important to identify those because if you can figure out what the trigger is for a headache, you can then make the choice to not, you know, have that trigger. Or if you do, you know the consequences of it. And so uh, I think that's usually my my first line of recommendation for anyone experiencing headaches. Make a headache diary, take it into a professional, go through it with that professional so that that way you can look at common features. Again, some of them are not as uh, clear cut as chocolate and red wine. Sure. Uh, and that's why you may need a health pro- professional to help you because obviously uh, if you know it's chocolate, you can just eliminate chocolate. Um but you should definitely uh, try to look for what the triggering events are for
0: sure. 416-870-6400. SARS-640 on cell. So, Twinder, uh, good afternoon. How are you?
3: Good, good. How are you guys?
0: Good, man. What's uh, what's your concern?
3: My concern is I'm 20, 28 years old, right? And, like, when I'm working and stuff, I drink a lot of water because, like, I'm supposed to drink a lot of water. But then the thing is I'm always going to the washroom and I always have to go take, like, a number two, like, Four or five times a day right and it's really water-based and it's not solid right and like uh, I feel good after but some people are saying it's really that's not you know it's not supposed to happen right and that's not. yeah a little so, too, too frequent it's too frequent why like, what's the ramification why is that happening and what's the ramifications about that I have a couple of other quick questions as well okay. sure well let
1: me let me just comment on that one quickly um, You know, your gut does also absorb water in order to, you know, go, as you say, number two. Uh, So if you're drinking a lot of water, it's just, you know, natural that your gut would absorb more of that water uh, and put it into the... um, to the colon and excrete it from the body that way. Uh, so you know the only thing you could try is maybe take down your water intake a little and see if uh, if there, if, it, if there's a change at all. The second thing is, like you said, is it necessarily a bad thing. I'm not really sure. It depends on so many things. We'd have to go through uh, trying to understand the exact nature of the bowel movements, uh, the consistency, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there could be a lot of things there uh, contributing do that, but we would need to go through that. So the first thing that I would say is maybe if you just cut down the water a little bit, see if that makes a change. Uh, Otherwise, it shouldn't really be based on what other people say. If you feel fine, uh, is that necessarily a bad thing? Maybe not, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, this is kind of how we started the show. It doesn't matter what... Someone else says because, or what they do, because that may not necessarily be relevant to your case specifically.
0: Maybe drink half the water you do now, see what happens.
1: Right? Yeah. Well, how much water, water are you drinking in a day?
3: Uh, probably like more than three liters a day.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of water. It's a lot of water. Uh, is there a specific reason why you drink that much?
3: I just, if I don't drink that much water, then I get hungry and I eat a lot of food. And uh-huh. I
1: don't
3: want to eat a lot. I want to drink a lot of water so that it quenches my hunger.
1: Yeah, you, you could maybe, you know, eating food is also obviously important as long as it's the right foods. Uh, so maybe finding a healthy diet balance uh, becomes very important, right? So that's definitely something to consider. What else so you got going on?
3: Water, how much water should I drink quickly? Two liters then
1: is fine? Uh, there's no, there's no, no actual magic number, recommendation, right? right? Like I remember once upon a time people used to say, well, was it eight glasses of water eight a day? Really, anything that you do should be based on the necessity of your body. So someone who's, you know, working out in the summers, paving yeah. and his Roofing. R- yeah, roofing. Be- Obviously, they need more water than somebody sitting at a desk. Your body is designed to tell you when... You have thirst to have a little bit of water. I'm not actually a proponent of drink eight glasses of water because I don't think that that's absolutely necessary. I think you should drink as much water uh, as your body needs based on hydration. Um, and there's different things that ind- can indicate to you your hydration level, such as how much you're sweating, uh, the yes. consistency of your mouth, your lips, your skin, et cetera, et cetera. So that's more important than uh, defining a quantity. You had one more question?
3: One more is yeah. my mom has a lot of ankle problems. Like, her feet really swell up really quickly. Like, she'll walk, like, a little bit, and, like, her feet kill her. Like, you can't even see her ankle anymore. And she has blood pressure problems. So, this is, like, a two-in-one question. Like, how, why, why is she, why, are, why does her feet, like, swell up so quickly? Like, it hurts her. Like, mm-hmm. like you can't even see her ankle. It's like, you don't even want to look at it. Like, it's really, it doesn't, it doesn't appeal to the eyes. What's wrong there?
1: Yeah, so well, it's not it's common with people who uh, have different forms of like heart disease whether it's diabetes or h- high blood pressure right. issues uh, for swelling to occur in the lower extremity. Could be a weight be, issue possibly. Potentially a weight issue. It's it's related to to the already it's obviously harder for stuff in your legs to pump back to your heart because of gravity. Um, as you start to develop, uh, certain types of issues where you have more fluid in your body, it can pool in your lower limbs and that's why you get swelling. And so, uh, very common with, uh, heart disease type of, uh, uh, issues for sure.
0: We'll take more of your calls after break. I got open lines there. 416-870-6400-640 on your cell. Dr. Payne, show talk radio, AM 640. That ball uh, rolling, the free consultation with Dr. Lou as well at the clinic. Info at paincarecanada.com to call in uh, today for the next half hour or so. As you know, 416-870-6400-640 on your cell. Shanta, good yes. b- How are you?
4: I'm
0: okay. Okay. What's your concern? Okay.
4: My concern is about my husband. And he's diabetic. He was diagnosed when he was thirty-five years old, and he's sixty-six now. Mm-hmm. From last year, his left leg start limping. His uh, nervousness is, uh, you know, affecting his nervousness. He's nervous, and uh, these kind of things are happening to him. Mm-hmm. Like uh, memory-wise, he's losing a little bit memory too.
1: Okay,
4: I'm wondering if there is anything can be, you know, make him better.
1: So, what is this all due to? Because I see here on the on the comment section, was this following a stroke?
4: Yeah, he's, he, he had a stroke in 2003.
1: Well, okay, that was a long time ago.
4: It, and, but since last year, he, all these things start happening at one time, you know.
1: Okay, and has he had it checked out at all or no?
4: Yeah, but uh, nobody seems to you know, know uh, enough to do anything, you know.
1: Ha- has he had any uh, more scans of his brain, like a CT scan or an MRI?
4: Uh, he didn't go for that. I was, I wanted to.
1: Yeah. So I would say based on all the kind of symptoms that you're saying, they all seem what I would term neurological in nature. So there's some, um, you know, I don't want to use this term necessarily neurodegenerative, but definitely. <coughs> sorry, I have a, a cold this week, um, but definitely uh, neurological in nature, uh, which makes me think that. Uh, definitely a brain scan would be step one, just to see if there's any other uh, stroke that he could have had a stroke that you guys wasn't necessarily a parent, but has side effects, uh, could be some other neurodegenerative process. How old is your husband?
4: He's 66.
1: 66, yeah. So it could be, I, I would say that your first uh, bet is to try to get him a uh, some type of a brain scan uh, to see what's going on, uh, because that'll be what gives the information. Uh, the other thing is, Someone who's proficient at doing a neurological exam uh, can almost identify what areas of the brain it could potentially be. Uh, you know, those, the, those people are, are, are hard, a little bit harder to find someone because I've, I've had a lot of patients where I've picked up stuff just through physical exam findings. Um, but yeah, if you're interested, you can bring them in to, to see me. We could set something up. We can go through it. And then uh, I can help facilitate some type of imaging for uh, the brain, which w- I think would probably be the next prudent uh, step in this case.
4: Can you give me your phone number without your name, just in a numerical?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I'm not even sure. I know. I know. I know it is D- <laughs> D-R-L-O-U. Somebody do the math. Hang on. Let me pull up my phone here. Four. Uh, okay. So one 855 6 Okay.
0: Uh eight. <laughs> three seven five six eight. So one eight five five
1: five five three six seven five eight. Yeah, I'm not Eek. even sure that I knew it. I like it the other way around. <laughs> yeah, it's so much easier with Dr. Luke. <laughs> uh four
0: one six eight seven oh sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. Got uh John on line. Hey John, good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? Good brother. What is happening with you?
5: Uh, I got this uh, issue with my neck uh for about a year, a year and a half, and uh had an x-ray. I think my memory is supposed to be correct. The X-ray determined that I had a degenerative uh, disc in my neck, and I constantly had this pain when I go put my right ear to my right shoulder, and it kind of like um, hurts like pretty much close to the, I would say, the middle of the neck, and radiates down almost into the shoulder. And I'm wondering whether or not there's anything I can do for that.
1: Yep, for sure. So one of the, one of the biggest things that I've talked about a lot actually is imaging. When you, see, how old are you, John? I'm 46. 46. So first off, degenerative disc disease, uh, the the correlation between it being clinically re- relevant and not being relevant in a person with neck pain is about 50-50, which basically means it might be related to your degenerative really? disc disease and it might not wow. be related to it. And it's kind of equal there. Uh, degenerative wow. disc disease is something that we can almost take an x-ray of everybody, over the age of like 22, 23 or so, and we'll start to see some degenerative disc disease. It's just wear and tear. It's the natural uh, process. The bigger question is, is is that amount that's being shown on the x-ray relevant to the symptoms that the person is experiencing, which if no one's ever looked at you clinically to try to correlate the two, uh, it may not be related to that. It may just be related to a simple joint issue or muscular issue. Um, So I guess the simple answer is yes, of course there's something that can be done uh, for your neck pain, what exactly we would need to assess uh, in order to determine okay what are the clinical findings uh, from a physical exam perspective and are they correlating with what the images are showing or are they not correlating it because you know that's the problem with imaging tends to be a little bit overused in our healthcare system and the problem with overusing it is that a radiologist's job is to comment on everything that they see When, when a radiologist comments on something like degenerative disc disease or this or that, all these things that what we would just call anomalies, they're just there. It's not necessarily normal, but it's not necessarily bad. Right. You still need to comment on it. Our job as healthcare professionals is to now tell a patient what's on that image. Uh, and when we start saying things, people hear these terms and they think, oh, wow, that. I've got all this. Yeah, I need to get this further checked out. And And that may not be specific to your case, John. I'm just kind of using that. As a, as a leeway into another topic, but uh, from your perspective, for sure, you it might be related to that, it might not be related to that. There's definitely, you know, if the neck pain has only been going on for a year, there's no reason why it's not something that should be able to get managed uh, from a very conservative f- perspective. It's just a matter of someone taking a look at it and, and trying to get to the bottom of it.
5: So is this like almost one of those conditions that, um, just like how a lot of uh, children get diagnosed with uh, a ADHD deficit disorder Mm -hmm. is it almost kind of the same like premise where um, I guess a lot of practitioners will automatically assume because Mm -hmm. there is a a degenerative disc that the problem uh, is there and lies is the disc and that's actually not even the question
1: yeah and and so the the other issue too is depending on the person that you're seeing see pain management is kind of its own little separate niche if you really look at it but however it's kind of dealt with as almost like not a big deal because, again, I've, uh, something I always say is pain often affects the quality of our lives and not necessarily the quantity. And so we have a lot of specializations related to specific things that affect the quantity of our lives. But, yeah, definitely I think that a lot of people, number one, general practitioners, and not all, but there's some, and and even some chiropractors, some physiotherapists, I'm not going to say that it's... Uh, uh, profession specific, but in general, most people don't have a good handle of what's going on uh, when it comes to pain management. And again, once a doctor takes an X ray and sees degenerative disc, it's the easiest thing to tell a patient. Because in the absence of telling them that, they may have to say, "Well, I'm not really sure." And right. you know, a lot of times they don't want to say, "I'm not really sure." And yeah, is it analogous to the attention deficit in kids? Yeah, there there might be a little uh, you know overuse of all these things as we as we move you know, in the future, as we start sure. progressing through healthcare, we, you definitely do see um, a lot of terms being thrown around. Like one of them that I'm not a big fan of is something like fibromyalgia, right? It, That's it just, now,
0: it's a disease, yeah, right? And all it just
1: yeah. means is pain, right? That's all it yeah. means. But we've termed it something so that when you term it something, someone can use that term to describe themselves. There can now be a whole new set of treatment intervention uh, towards wow. that new problem. So it, it it is, it might be analogous, but you know, Focusing on your specific situation, definitely something that uh, we can help with.
0: John one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U is the uh, the number you'll want to call. Or info at Pain Care Canada. Free consultations. Get in see uh, see Doctor Lou as soon as you can. The Doctor Pain Show continues 416-870-6400. Star six forty on sale to call into the show between now and uh, one o'clock. Talk radio AM six forty. Wow, twelve fifty four already. When did that
1: happen? That happened right now, <laughs> big time.
0: You got a, a couple minutes. You want to get a phone call in 416-870-6400, star six forty and cell. Barring that, we will continue our discussion on the uh, the evil migraine, the headaches that so many people suffer. Yeah,
1: the headaches, yeah, for sure. Um, and again, that that my biggest recommendation going back is the headache diary. Uh, but like all things pain related, see the thing is people often um, when you say do you have pain and they talking about headaches, they don't think headaches are pain for whatever reason. Uh, but it's still defined as some type yeah, of right. a pain syndrome. Uh, Even like numbness. I See, the the bigger thing is character of pain. Even when when I ask people who have like numbness and tingling, I'll say, you know, where is your pain? And they'll say, I don't have pain. I have numbness and tingling. That's good. They're describing a type of uh, pain type of uh, character, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have pain. Uh, but the biggest thing, again, just to reiterate for everybody listening that is experiencing headaches, they've been experiencing them for a long time, the headache diary, writing down every single thing you can think of, um, what you ate that day, being a specific in terms of quantity, uh, where you got that stuff from, because maybe that could be a triggering factor, the type of detergent that you use, uh, the types of things you use to clean your house, where you were, uh, et cetera, et cetera, all those things can have... Um, uh, in It can have an an effect in terms of us trying to figure out what the triggering factor is so that we can remove it. And, you know, the other thing is some headaches, um, a big component of most headaches is the musculoskeletal system, the upper back and the neck, uh, that we we diminish how important those things are and how much they contribute to neck pain. And a lot of headaches are just a referral pattern from the neck itself. Like could it
0: be something as simple as swapping out a pillow?
1: Potentially, it could be right? something as simple as that. It may not be as simple as that. Right. It may be more, uh, you know, they're working at a desk and their monitor is not set up. Or cell right, phone. Yeah, the right, er- yeah, the right ergonomic uh, <laughs> yeah. way to do things or the more ideal way to do things. And so, you know, that may be a contributing factor. It may be re- related to the type of work they're doing. Uh, if they're working out a lot, like I've seen, I've, I've met a lot of people who are borderline bodybuilders and mm-hmm. they talk about they have a lot of headaches. Well, sure, when you're doing, you know, trap, uh, you know for sure you're working your traps out all the time those things become tense there's nerves there that go into your scalp you're going to create headaches for sure it's just inevitable
0: we'll get to a call here vivine good afternoon how are you
2: Hi, good, thank you. I have what? a quick question. Sure, go yeah. ahead. Okay, so I've been seeing a chiropractor three times per week for the last year, um, approximately. Mm-hmm. And we're going into our second year because I have a bruised spine injury from a car accident many moons ago. Um, and because I have pain every day. But now, I've always been concerned about the neck, um, you know, the, the, the um you know, t- twisting your neck. I forgot the name. I'm a bit nervous, probably. Mm-hmm. But I for- I don't feel comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I-, I do feel relief, though, having gone for a year, it's the first time giving that treatment a chance. Mm-hmm. But I-, I stopped for about four, four weeks, uh, four months, and now it's I'm back to almost where I am. And I'm trying to think, is there another option for someone that's afraid of their neck being turned the way yeah the manipulation you the mean manipulation that's the word yeah. i'm looking for thank you yeah, no i'm problem. afraid of it and he's aware of it and he he's very gentle i'm not complaining about him but i just wonder if there's an alternative for someone like me that has a bruised spine injury from a car accident it's very old it's everyday pain work wherever have adjustable yeah. chairs all kinds of situations is there anything else other than drugs all the time
1: yeah, for sure. There's always uh, some type of an alternative uh, to any type of treatment intervention. I guess the bigger question becomes, is it as an, an effective uh, yeah. type of treatment? Yeah. So when you look at something like a manipulation, what a manipulation is, is actually doing is every single joint in your body has a range of motion. Right. Uh, and we usually try to divide that range of motion into quarters. So there's the first quarter of range, the second, third, and oh. the fourth. A, a manipulation takes a, a little past the end range. Um, in order to create uh, some type of a neurological effect. So you can also do something that's called a mobilization, which you would say like a grade four mobilization, which is right in that end range mobilizing into that uh, joint. So that's an option. You could use other interventions like acupuncture, soft tissue therapies. Yeah, I've tried everything. Yeah, so and it's just a matter of does it have as good of an effect for you as those other things. But I would definitely say... That anytime someone is afraid of something, yeah. I, I believe personally that that would um, diminish uh, the prognosis yeah. of that intervention just because there's yeah. a fear component, right? right. Uh, and so yeah. if there's a fear component, then you should try to do your best to eliminate that fear component and do other things. So there are other things uh, that could be done for sure. Um I always go through with my patients if they're afraid of even things like acupuncture. Some people just don't like needles, right? So uh, although I may think, yep, that's the best thing that's going to help your situation. If they don't like needles, I'm not going to use needles, right? Same thing. If if I've recommended a manipulation to someone uh, and they don't like you know, the feeling of it or the noise that it makes, whatever, whatever, then, you know, we got to try to find an alternative as uh, as a team, again, that dialogue between uh, patient and doctor. Uh, but the big thing is what I started with is the informed consent. As long as you're giving that person consent to do it, although you're afraid they're still allowed to do it. But if at any point you feel like, you know, you know what, I want to stop this. I want to try something different. All you have to do is say that. And they have, they have to stop and look for something different.
0: Moving forward till next time, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U free consultation call in. Get a hold of Doctor Lou for that. And info at paincarecanada.com. You want to drop him an email as well. We'll see you back here next Saturday, Doctor Pain Show Talk Radio, AM six forty.